Welcome to the Alzheimer's Solution Revolution Show with Ralph Sanchez. Ralph's background includes 25 years as a clinician and functional medicine consultant, and he is the best-selling author of The Diabetic Brain and Alzheimer's Disease. Ralph's mission on this show is to bring you the trailblazing information and science that enables you to live younger, longer, and protect yourself and your loved ones from cognitive impairment and dementia as you age. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Ralph Sanchez, and this is episode number four at the Alzheimer's Solution Revolution podcast channel. So welcome. Thank you so much for listening in. And today I am bringing you number two in the Think Ahead series. Number one was last week. So if you missed that, I encourage you to go back to episode number three and listen in. And today, we are going to be doing a continuation of that episode in the Think Ahead series, which is an explanation of the very beginnings of Alzheimer's disease, how it starts, and the principal lesions associated with it, which are termed amyloid plaque and neurofibrillary tangles, or tau tangles. And I'm going to be explaining what these proteins associated with these lesions are and what they mean in the very earliest stages and the progression of Alzheimer's disease as you age. And of course, the risk for a more serious progression of the disease and a dementia. I collaborated with another podcaster, Susan Brender, on this series. And you will be hearing her throughout the podcast. So I'm going to just kick this off right now. There's not going to be another introduction. You'll just hear me begin. Think ahead, number two. Thank you. Hi, Susan. This is Ralph. Thank you very much for inviting me on for the second edition of our series here. This is the Think Ahead series. And of course, we've done show number one, and this is show number two. And before we get into today's show, I thought we'd do a little recap on the first show that we did, which we talked about several topics. But before we even get into that, I just want to put out a disclaimer. And that is that all the information that we talk about here is not intended to be interpreted as medical advice. We're sharing information about the science and how one can reduce the risk for Alzheimer's disease and possibly prevent it. But none of what we're talking about or discussing is in any way meant to be construed as medical information or advice. So with that said, in our first show, we discussed a little bit about my history. And my history is what prompted me to begin the investigation of my own risk for a possible dementia as I aged. And also just in general, what were the uh, leading factors, the leading causative factors and risk factors associated with the disease process? Because I had had an exposure to pesticides and I had been diagnosed with a, a mercury toxicity issue and I had a severe brain trauma when I was younger. So I had quite a few things going on that put my brain at risk. And then we went on to discuss what the real causes of Alzheimer's dementia is. So there's dementia and there's Alzheimer's disease, right? So mm -hmm. Alzheimer's is the leading cause of dementia. 
So Alzheimer's per se is not necessarily dementia, but you can get dementia from Alzheimer's disease. And we talked about that in context that Alzheimer's disease has a very long window in which it progresses, you know, over 20, 30 years or more. And in the beginning stages, which is preclinical, there are absolutely no signs. So you can have Alzheimer's disease and have no signs of it whatsoever. And then you, you morph into what's called mild cognitive impairment, where you're starting to have some issues with memory and thinking and execution and planning. And then as that disease process progresses, you're eventually diagnosed with dementia and that the cause is probably Alzheimer's disease. I have a question. There are two situations that I can talk about, one of which has to be there is a gentleman who lives in my building here in Florida, and his wife said to me the other day, which I was shocked, actually, that he has Alzheimer's disease. And I saw him yesterday putting away his bicycle, if you will, in our building. And I said to him, hello, and I used his name. He didn't say my name, but he's functioning on a very high level. So I guess my question to you is, can you have Alzheimer's and still be functioning if it's the early onset of Alzheimer's? Can you be functioning on a high level at first? I'm not too sure about his condition, of course, and how he's right. functioning. You know, you interpret it as a high level. I, I doubt that it is, although he may appear at times to be perfectly normal. But again, so if we go back to the stages, that Alzheimer's progresses through. It begins with a no signs or symptoms stage, preclinical. And then you progress into where there are some observable signs and symptoms, and that's mild cognitive impairment. And you can can appear to be perfectly normal and, and conduct your life normally in that stage, in the early part of that stage. But as it progresses, then you start to have more and more difficulty. And let's say at that stage, you're starting to worry about forgetting things and not being able to find your way around as easily or other issues related. You know, you're operating in the world. And so you go to your doctor and they do a battery of tests, maybe even some neuroimaging, which we talked about a little bit in the first show. But Through those tests, they can decipher that you have a neurological disease like Alzheimer's. The diagnosis can actually be pretty difficult because there's many, many causes of a dementia or cognitive impairment. In the early stages, you can be functional, you can appear to be normal, and then, you know, as time moves on, if you're not doing anything to hopefully slow or delay the progression, then you're going to be eventually diagnosed with a dementia related okay. to Alzheimer's disease or some other causative factor. We talked about vascular dementia in the first yeah. show as the two leading causes, Alzheimer's leading cause of dementia and vascular disease, cardiovascular disease, cerebrovascular disease, which produces a vascular dementia. That's the second leading cause of Alzheimer's disease. And then there's another one called Lewy body 
disease, which uh-huh. is also associated with Alzheimer's. And in some uh, studies, they uh, or some of the journal articles, they think that Lewy body disease is the second leading cause of Alzheimer's. But again, it's it's a difficult diagnosis because you can have all of these disease processes mixed up. And it's very common to have vascular dementia and Alzheimer's dementia disease processes commingled. They exist exist at the same time, so the diagnosis can be a little difficult. And is there any kind of data, if you will, whether it is genetic or whether it has to do something with your diet or your way of living, your mental health? Any data on any of those? Well, absolutely. We talked about, you asked a great question in the first show about what's considered to be normal cognitive decline associated Uh with aging. And we talked about how there are actual issues. You know, you can start to have cognitive decline associated with a B12 deficiency, which is uh, very common as you age and is also associated with some medications especially a very common one that people take, which are antacids. And antacids actually inhibit the absorption of certain nutrients like B12 and and minerals because the acid in your stomach helps to break those down from food and enables absorption. So if you're using antacids regularly, it's a huge risk for these uh, nutrient deficiencies. And as you age, it can lend to what appears to be as a cognitive impairment. There have been, yeah, and and then the same thing with hormones. In men, testosterone, if your testosterone really declines, it can lend to all kinds of mood issues and cognitive impairment. And the same with women with estrogen. They have shown that in certain women and at certain stages in their life, at like midlife particularly, in the perimenopause stage, that estrogen, if it's declining severely, can really put that woman at risk for cognitive impairment and dementia later on. So so these are normal components to aging, and there's a lot that can be done with those factors so that you don't necessarily get into those sorts of issues and cognitive impairment and and whatnot that's associated with it. What about holistic medicine, Ralph? And I'm referring to minerals and vitamins, and you can tell me if there are any other holistic opportunities, if you will, to reduce the dementia or the onset of Alzheimer's and dementia. Well, we're going to make that a topic for another show. So the thing that we thought would be best here for the first show in this show is to sort of set the stage on what Alzheimer's is all about, some of the components that we're discussing about what causes Alzheimer's disease, what causes dementia, what's the difference between Alzheimer's, a dementia, or normal cognitive uh, impairment uh, associated with aging. So we want to clarify those things and make sure that people understand some basics. And in our last show, we talked about how we were going to discuss what is a well-known component to the Alzheimer's disease process and causative in terms of the disease, and that is the proteins that you were interested in discussing about. Yes. 
which uh -huh. are amyloid protein and tau protein, T-A-U for tau, and amyloid protein and tau protein are two normal proteins that occur in the brain, and they have certain functions that are important, but in certain cases, especially in the issue of Alzheimer's disease, these proteins begin to assemble into abnormal, at what are called aggregations. So they accumulate, they're broken down, these proteins are broken down from their normal structures, and these proteins, when they're broken down excessively from their normal structures, then they start to accumulate into other aggregations, if you will. They accumulate into what's known as amyloid plaque. So amyloid proteins or beta amyloid proteins are referred to can accumulate into amyloid plaque. All right. Wow. And then tau protein, which is a very important protein in the cell, in the brain cell, it functions to form a component in a structure within the cell that's very, very important to the cell in terms of a conveyance network. And that network shuttles nutrients and the mitochondria, which are the energy factories. And they're basically facilitating the transfer of these nutrients and mitochondria from the cell body to the terminals of the cell, the synapses. And the synapses are the place where we want to focus on in another show we're going yeah. to talk about it a little bit here, but the synapses where the cells meet and communicate is the vital area where Alzheimer's disease starts. Let me explain that a little bit in terms of these proteins. We're going to start with amyloid protein. So again, if amyloid protein, uh, it's called amyloid precursor protein. And if people want to get visuals on this, they go to my website, thealzheimersolution.com. And my book, The Diabetic Brain in Alzheimer's Disease, has some great illustrations. And I explain all of this in great detail. So the amyloid protein, precursor protein, if it's broken down too much and you're not able to clear it away, which is a normal part of what happens in the brain in aging and just a normal process that occurs. But in certain cases, that process is stimulated. And yes, there are genes which play a role in all of this. So you can have a susceptibility to more of this problem. Now, we talked about early onset Alzheimer's disease versus late onset Alzheimer's disease. So yeah. in early onset Alzheimer's disease, genes will basically determine that you're going to eventually be diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease and a dementia. And those genes are the very genes that control some of this amyloid protein processing. So yeah. that's a very critical component because those genes in that case, in early onset, is causative, all right? So it will cause the disease process because of the susceptibility that's built into how those genes affect those proteins like amyloid protein. 
But in late onset Alzheimer's disease, we have numerous factors, including genes, that basically just up your risk, but they don't determine that you're going to have a problem. They are just risk factors that can be actually controlled. So in the case of amyloid protein, there's several genes. The most well-known and validated is APOE4. And if you you are a carrier of the APOE4 gene, then you have a propensity for not being able to clear away that amyloid protein as well as the person that has other forms of that APOE gene. As a matter of fact, another APOE gene variant, APOE2, not APOE4, but APOE2, APOE2 is protective and APOE4 raises your risk. And you can have a combination of those genes. So that's a very entailed discussion. We could have a show just on the gene part of it. But if you're an APOE4, then you could have some problems with amyloid protein and clearing it away and protecting against this accumulation, if you will. But, But the protein is a problem in terms of how it accumulates. And in the very earliest stages of that accumulation, these Mm -hmm. proteins are tiny little, tiny little aggregations. And those tiny little aggregations of these proteins, they migrate over to the synapse. And when I started my research many years ago, back then, this was in the 90s, The main discussion back then was what was the biggest causative factor for Alzheimer's disease, amyloid protein or tau protein? And it's, of course, this aggregation of these proteins and how they affect function and structure and numerous mechanisms associated with cognitive function. So Mm -hmm. that was the primary discussion. And as the years rolled on, I started to see more research about These proteins, these amyloid protein particles that in the early stages caused great havoc at the synapse because if the synapse isn't intact in terms of the transmission of chemicals, they're called neurotransmitters, and the receptors in those synapses are very, very vital in terms of accepting these signaling messages in the terms of chemicals or even hormones like insulin. And in my book, I talk about insulin because insulin plays a very important role in the brain. And at the synapse, chemicals, neurochemicals or neurotransmitters or other components of hormones like insulin, which is in the brain a signaling molecule, These are very important components in terms of the synapse and the receptors and stimulating a whole cascade of events that's very important for memory and learning. So memory and learning really is a fundamental component of what's going on at the synapse and what happens with this neurotransmission at the synapse. And these amyloid protein particles disrupt that quite severely and over time causes a great deal of problem in terms of disruption of these memory and learning processes. And this is where Alzheimer's disease starts. Now, as those proteins accumulate 
they go on to form plaque as well too. And that process in and of itself is toxic, but the plaque, as I described in one of our discussions, is really the death and destruction after all the battles have been waged. So the battles with these early components of the protein particles at the synapse is where all of this early component of the disease process is beginning. And as that continues on for years and years, well, those proteins also form plaque. But it's Uh basically not necessarily the plaque that causes the disease process or the dementia, but the whole cascade of events beginning with the processing of that amyloid precursor protein, how it accumulates, how it affects the synapse function, and how it eventually forms plaque. And then the tau protein is a whole different story. Well, I think this is a good place for us to stop because we have so many other programs where we're going to be discussing various aspects of also Alzheimer's and dementia and how it's being treated today, what people should know more about, and you you name it. Now, Ralph, I think that people need to know again about your book. So would you just tell them the name of your book and how they can access it? And then we will talk about what's in store for us next week. Absolutely. So the book, again, is The Diabetic Brain in Alzheimer's Disease, and that's available at Amazon. And I did a promotion last week, which was very, very successful. I got a lot of attention, which was terrific. But the book is there. The Diabetic Brain in Alzheimer's Disease is up on Amazon. And to put this call in context of a timing, we're in the beginning of November. And Mm -hmm. so the promotion was uh, last week in October. But if you want more information about the book too, you can go to the alzheimerssolution.com and I have some information there along with a lot of other information, articles and videos and another podcast. I talk about many, many facets and components about disease process and Alzheimer's disease and vascular dementia. So I thought if Since we didn't get to much of the tau protein discussion, we talk a little bit more about tau protein, and we can at the same time talk about the genetics a little bit more about APOE4 and other genes, because that's That's a very, very important component. So we'll, we'll finish up the protein discussion and talk a little bit about tau protein. It's important to know about that, because when you go to your doctor, and if there is a discussion about doing some tests, and again, there are some assessments like neuroimaging and cerebrospinal fluid analysis, which can be very expensive, but in some cases it is used, and there could be discussions. They're saying, well, maybe we should do this test and that test as a differential diagnosis to make sure this is Alzheimer's disease or some other disease process, look at these uh, tests and assessments like neuroimaging. They're actually looking at the accumulation of and levels of amyloid protein and tau protein both. Yes. So thank you, Ralph. And I look forward to the next show where we can talk all about various aspects of genetics as it relates to Alzheimer's and, and also dementia. So with that said, thank you so much. Thank you, Susan. Look forward to the next edition in this series. Thanks for listening to the Alzheimer's Solutions Show. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a comment and subscribe wherever you listen in to your favorite podcasts. Share with friends and family on your favorite social media channel, such as Twitter or Facebook. 